بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم پیس بی اپن یو اینڈ ویلکم ٹو انادر ایڈیشن آف پاتھ وے ٹو پیس اے شو وی ٹیک این اینالیٹیکل لک ایٹ ہاؤ وی کین اچیو پیس ویدر دیٹ بی پولیٹیکل پیس اکنامک پیس سوسائٹل پیس اور پرہیپس دا موسٹ امپورٹنٹ آف دا مول ان اے پیس The Pathway to Peace team is still reflecting on the very successful UK Ahmadiyya Muslim Community's annual convention held last month. We are the followers of the promised Messiah, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, on whom, on whom be peace, who was prophesied to appear 1300 years after Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, to unite all faiths under the banner of true Islam. By the grace of God, there were over 41,000 visitors to the three-day convention. We've all been experiencing the atmosphere of the gathering, listening to Voice of Islam radio shows and watching repeats of the inspiring addresses on our Muslim television Ahmadiyya, MTA, satellite and YouTube channels. Today, we want to talk about the spirit of hospitality in Islam. Taking care of 41,000 guests of the promised Messiah on whom be peace is a huge undertaking, requiring many volunteers working long hours, as well as hosting guests in homes and transporting them to and from the convention. So where does this spirit of hospitality come from? What obliges us as Muslims to be hospitable? How do we see hospitality play out on the world stage? And how does it affect societal peace? Does it influence how governments extend a welcome or not to people looking for refuge and fleeing danger? And perhaps I'm reaching a bit, but could world peace be attained by being more hospitable? I am Dr. Alia Khan, your host today. I am a mother and a GP. And joining me are Sabiha Iqbal, a university chaplain, and Reen Shraiki, a mother and life devotee of the Ahmadiyya Muslim communities. Welcome, ladies. Reem, first of all, I spoke in the introduction about how the Ahmadiyya Muslim community extends generous hospitality towards mm-hmm. its guests at the annual convention. So can you tell me, Reem, how do we define hospitality and what is its importance in Islam? Right. Uh, I will uh, quote the definition of hospitality from Oxford Language Dictionary. Mm-hmm. which is which says uh, it is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests visitors or strangers and of course uh, hospitality has its own place in islam where the generous reception of travelers or strangers is equally important to the kindness we mm. extend to our family and uh, friends mm. so each year his holiness uh, the fifth caliph of the promised messiah hadith me the masrur ahmed may allah be his helper reminding us in his addresses mm. you know about our responsibilities especially during the annual convention as you mentioned mm. because we are the host here in the UK so mm. we have responsibility towards the guests for example in Friday's sermon July 2009 his holiness stated hospitality is a courtesy that is mentioned in the holy quran with reference to hadrat ibrahim peace be upon him it is mentioned twice Firstly, in Surah Al-Dariyat, when the guests greeted Prophet Abraham with salam, Prophet Abraham responded in kind when they entered upon him and said, peace. He said, peace. They were all strangers to him. The apparent significance of this is that they both wished each other peace. However, according to lexicon, a distinction 
had been made. The guest greeted with the word salam. However, Hadrat Ibrahim responded with salamun, which has more eloquent connotation. So Huzur here explained that the greeting of salamun signifies lasting peace. This was the high standard of the morals and courtesy of the prophet of God. So by citing this example, it is indicated to us that as uh, the nation of the Holy Prophet, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him, we should always follow this standard to welcome guests, thus expressing and conveying our delight at receiving our guests. The Quran also goes on to state that Hadrat Ibrahim, on whom be, be peace, made a prompt arrangement to serve the guests, and he went quietly to his household and brought a fatted calf. Yes, uh, Reem, uh, it's really helpful uh, that you've explained that as well, because, you know, His Holiness, um, may Allah be his helper, explained that God likes timely hospitality, mm. you know, extended in the best possible manner, you know, that one can afford as well, and something, you know, which is within your um, uh, your ability to be able to provide. And in Surah Al-Dariyat, the subject matter isn't just of hospitality, you know, by mentioning it, it's the excellent civility um, that has been cited that in spite of being strangers, they were greeted and served in a fine manner. You know, preparation yeah. for their hospitality ensued without any questions asked. And Hazur, you know, has said that God loves this quality and it's a characteristic of Islam. And this tells us that whether you are seeing an enemy or a friend, hospitality must be extended to both, you know, a stranger or a friend. That's right. And and we'll see the effect of hospitality on conflict later in the show. But I think you're right that the fact that he you know, he didn't know why they were coming and yet he immediately went into his house and brought out food for them is, I think, a reflection of his high morals and the fact that he welcomed them nonetheless. So let's keep on with the status of hospitality in Islam and how it reflects one's character, Reem. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, from the beginning, let's start from the beginning of Islam, when the Holy Prophet mm -hmm. of Islam, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him, received the first revelation while he was in the cave of Hira. He returned home trembling from the awe of what has happened to him. And he told his wife Khadija what had happened. So she comforted him and told him that Allah will never disgrace you. And the reason behind her confidence that Allah will never cause him any harm is his virtuous quality, which she knows very well, you know? So she started counting them one by one. And one of these great characteristics of the Holy Prophet, which she mentioned, is that he honors his guests and serves them uh, generously. So in other words, she was telling him that Allah has chosen you because of the way you treat your guests. So this display, of course, his superior manners, morals, and behavior towards Allah and towards his uh, creation as well. And uh, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him, also he stated, whoever believes in Allah and the last day should honor his guests. So he linked the belief in Allah and the last day with the honoring guest. So he, it means you should serve your guest generously and let him feel at home. That's why actually in Arabic, we say while receiving the guests, uh, we say ahlan wa sahlan, and you can uh, see it on our banners in our annual convention or in our mosques, also exactly. it's written in Arabic. But you know, it is uh, translated into English as welcome, but in reality, it has more deep meaning, you know? Because Ahl in Arabic means family and Sahl means ease. 
So the literal meaning will be, you should know, you are telling the guests that you should know that you are now a part of our family and we will try our best to give you an ease and comfort. That is, that's why when the Holy Prophet of Islam welcomed once a delegation uh, came to him, he said, welcome, neither you will have disgrace, nor you will, re you will regret. So it means that you will receive the best treatment. So hospitality in Islam is not just welcoming the guests and accommodating them, but also providing them with all what they need that they feel at home. And you have to give them, uh, you know, all that you have, even mm. if you don't leave anything for yourself. So hospitality mm. in Islam is a right for the guests, not that the host does any favor for them. The Holy Prophet, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him, also stated, your guest has a right on you. So thank you, Reem. We can see how hospitality should not just be extended to our family and guests that we invite to our home, but also to strangers and to understand that it is a religious duty for us to be generous hosts, to display our elevated morals as taught to us by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just, you know, that we are Asian or Middle Eastern, that we are famous for our hospitality, but there mm -hmm. is a deeper meaning behind it. And it is our morals that we are displaying, those elevated morals. Okay, so we have explored the role of the host in Islam, um, in Islamic hospitality. But what about the guest? Can mm. he, you know, is he or she just free to receive unending hospitality and inconvenience the host? Or are there limits to receiving it as well? Sabiha? So, you know, from an Islamic perspective, um, it's what's really helpful and what's really clear in Islam is that there are it's not about applying limits, you know, just to kind of um, uh, constrain people. But it's about making sure that um, a, a positive relationship is continuing to be built between mm. people as well. Um, so there is a, a limit as such um, as three three days as a guest. Mm. Um, what's really important you know, as a guest is, uh, to, is to remember that permission should be sought. Um, you know, one shouldn't just show up unannounced. And, you know, at certain times of the day, as is mentioned, in the Holy Quran as well, you shouldn't turn up unannounced um, at somebody's home or, you know, mm. to, to visit somebody. And if the host, you know, or the person that you're going to see says to you that they can't receive you at that point, that you must leave, mm. that you must, you know, um, you know, uh, make Respect sure that, that. You Respect yeah. that absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, the, the, there's a hadith in um, Sahih Bukhari that hospitality, hosti hospitality even extends for three mm -hmm. days. What goes beyond that is sadaka, and it's not allowable that a guest should stay till he or she makes himself a burden on their mm -hmm. host. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you've mentioned the um, annual convention of the Amdiyam yes. community just, you know, a moment ago. And, you know, mm. every year, um, uh, His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Muhammad Muhammad, the, the head of the Amdiyam um, community, reminds us of our responsibilities as hosts, you know, as workers and volunteers at the mm. annual inauguration at Jalsa Salana, but also to the guests as well. I mean, it's really important that guests, you know, remember that um, they are there for a reason, um, you know, to be able to receive, to be able to enjoy themselves, you know, to listen to the proceedings as well. Um, and it's important that they remember that they also have a responsibility in that, in building that relationship, mm. in understanding that if there are some shortcomings, perhaps, you know, that they bear them patiently. So showing patience, showing uh, kindness and tolerance is, is a two-way thing. Yeah. Uh, mm. So it's really important that, you know, that those are the principles that people, um, you know, are, 
come with with that sort of mindset as well. And I'm sure we'll go on to talking about the moral kind of qualities mm-hmm. that we should have as well. Um, but it's really important that we show that respect. Uh, we don't outstay our welcome. Um, and, uh, you know, not to be a, a heavy burden on, on the host in any way, whether that's financially, you know, whether that's, you know, with material things that we might mm-hmm. need. Where possible, make your own arrangements, you know, mm-hmm. plan ahead, um, you know, convey mm-hmm. or communicate what your needs might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important those messages, um, you know, are, are rem- we're reminded of every year and shared because mm-hmm. if we, we forget as human beings, um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, as travelers as well, uh, we forget that sometimes. You're right. And I like the way that you talked about um, the the fact that, you know, be patient with those people who are on duty and <clears throat> who are serving you and don't be you know don't be short with them don't make them upset if you're Mm. upset yourself don't make them upset actually it's better to be content with what Mm. you've received Mm. and uh, reflecting on the annual convention that's just passed I find that I was more content Mm. I did find the um you know the service was very good the weather was awful but the service and the way that we were served food etc etc I found it much better organized and as a result I was content you know Mm -hmm. so I didn't go go around with a bad mood or anything I was very grateful for for what I received and I hope that the other attendees were the same yeah absolutely Reem you know we have also to uh, to think and to speak about uh, the refugees you know uh, of any country you know there is Arabic proverb saying oh stranger be polite so mm-hmm. with refugees, if a country has uh, afforded you safety um, and, you know, um, the place, a shelter place, you know, for you and for your family, then you have also to serve this country and to be loyal in return. So that's why uh, Huzur, um, the, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, the fifth caliph, may Allah be his helper, is always reminding us with our, you know, responsibilities in whatever we are, you know, in this society. So he also speak about uh, this point. So I quoted from his address in 2012 at the military headquarters in Koblenz, Germany. He said, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, himself taught that the love of one's nation is a part of your faith. Thus, sincere and materialism is requirement in Islam. To truly love God and um, Islam requires a person to love his nation. It's quite clear, therefore, that there can be no conflict of interest between a person's love for God and love for his uh, country. Hence, it is impossible that the love of um, the love a true Muslim holds for God could never prove to be an impediment. Im- or barrier uh, preventing him from displaying true love and faithfulness towards his country. And also in one of the interviews he he made, His Holiness uh, once stated, for me, true integration is to love the country in which you live and to be completely loyal to it. Thus, all immigrants should be loyal to their adopted nation. They should truly love it, they should honor it, they should be law-abiding and work for it, for its prosperity and the progress. This is integration. Yeah, yeah um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That especially, um, you know, as we've seen people who've um, you know, come 
um, as refugees, sometimes it's it, it, it becomes difficult to be able to um, find one one's place and to be able to find, um, you know, themselves and uh, settle themselves down. You know, it can be quite difficult, as we um, can imagine. Um, and we've seen um, that, you know, sometimes people can be misguided, um, you know, who some people who can or have been uh, afforded refugee um, in the UK, for example, um, you know, may um, tread paths um, of uh, violence, um, you know, against the West. And it's important to remember that um, this isn't something that Islam um, advocates for, you know, mm. that we're, if you are finding refuge in any country, mm. um, you're encouraged to Islamically, particularly to, you know, um, show that loyalty and show mm. that, um, you know, love for that country um, and, you know, find your place in that country as best as you can. You know, as ever, Islam balances out its guidance for both sides of the uh, of the equation, the responsibilities of a host uh, you know, the host or the ho- a host as a person, a host as a country, country. Mm. Yeah, to meet, um, you know, their guests needs needs above their own, uh, which can also translate to how the country treats the visitors and refugees, you know, so to to think about others needs, as I've said earlier as well, it's important to make sure we think about what those needs are of people, whether they're cultural, whether they're religious, and, you know, trying to help people to, to be able to find their place is really important. A host has that responsibility, but the guest also does as well, not to make demands that will inconvenience the host but instead display gratitude and therefore as, as her sister Reem mentioned as well loyalty um you know yeah. it's, it's a two-way relationship I agree Sabine and while you were talking I just suddenly thought about you know you were saying that how does the host um, make allowances and accommodate people who have come from different countries and obviously working in health as a GP um, I see a lot of evidence of that Um, I have some patients who don't speak English and Mm -hmm. Polish or Bangladeshi may be their first, Bangla, sorry, may be their first language instead. And I know that I can go onto the NHS website and I can get information leaflets that are printed in other languages specifically for this reason, because Mm -hmm. the health needs of a refugee or a visitor to this country are still important. Mm -hmm. And this country as a host has therefore made allowances for people to still receive the information in a language that they can understand. And the same with interpreting services. I have access to interpreting services that are completely free of charge for myself as a user, but also for the customer or the patient so that, you know, we can speak a language, you know, they can understand what I'm saying and I can understand what complaint they've come in with and how I can help them. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. I was just reflecting on what you were saying. And so a country that is your host and has done this and has made so many allowances for you, so many others that I could list, um, people who are seeking asylum and they are housed and for free of charge, given food, um, given, you know, allowed to work once they have got their status, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right it's a small thing to do to then um, offer gratitude and loyalty to that nation you're right relating it to my own line of work as well so I work as a as a Muslim chaplain in uh, in higher education at university um, and you know when we receive our students as well um, you know we have that responsibility to help them you know find their sense of belonging to settle in you know whether that's mm-hmm. helping them with their lowering the, the the barrier of language you know or whether that's helping them find um, local local you know produce that they might need um, whatever it is it's yeah. being able to help help each other um, is, is really really important and mm-hmm. you know in my role as a chaplain that's what I'll try and do in my day-to-day and it doesn't matter what faith a person is mm-hmm. you know what country national 
nationality they're from uh, you know islam you know is what um guides me and that's what yes. is guiding me to 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 yes. be um as helpful and to serve um others as, 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 as hospitable and generous yeah absolutely yeah, with it your also, help it also reminds me of um, a saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, um, where he said that Gabriel impressed upon me kind treatment towards the neighbor so much that I thought he would confer upon him the right of inheritance. And it, it reminds me of that because the neighbor in this instance isn't just your physical neighbor next door. Um, you know, we're reminded during the annual convention as well, the, the person next to you, the person that you travel with, mm. you know, that they, everyone's your neighbor, the people that you work with, um, your patients. You know, yeah. if we treat all in each other with that kindness that, um, you know, we, that God has asked us to, then it, inevitably it would lead to a more um, peaceful society. Absolutely. And that's taken me so nicely to my next question. Reem, what is the relationship between hospitality and morals and how does it lead to, lead to societal peace? You know, here I want to focus about uh, feeding the needy, which is part mm. of the Islamic, uh, you know, injunctions. So we are, you know, commanded to look after the needy. And but it's also, you know, the amazing thing that if you have shortcomings in your worship, obligatory worship, yes. for example, if you can't fast, then the expiation is that you have to feed 60 persons. And mm-hmm. in so many other shortcomings, you know, the um, Quran is very clear about, about it. And it's telling you, uh, you know, to feed, the expiation will be to, few, to feed um, a few numbers, few number of poor with such average food as you feed your own family. Mm. So with this, you know, um, to think about it, you know, how this establishing the social, um, you know, or we can say the societal peace, because, you know, uh, because of this injunction of the Holy Quran, it was the first caliph, the second caliph of Islam, Hadras Omar, may Allah be pleased with him, mm-hmm. who established the social system which is uh, you know well known in the west mm. but unfortunately it is not followed in so many uh, you know muslim countries mm. and this social care system you know when it was set up it is telling us that the responsibility of the muslim state is to provide food shelter and the clothing so if the needy are having all of these needs and their needs are met then no need for resorting to crime or resentment against the mm. people in authority if you you have all what you what you need so mm. why to strike or to uh, you know to rebel against to the rebel. government mm. yes so this is how it is related you know this is hospitality and this is part of faith as well and this is how we can establish peace in in our society Mm. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's really important uh, that we we try and see how um, we can holistic holistically also try and apply what um, Islam is advocating for. I suppose um, in terms of setting up that that kind of social care system, 
Um, and I suppose relating it to some of the things that, you know, I've been involved in, um, you know, through my line of work, um, but also, you know, as a member of, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, you know, I'm always looking to find ways to be able to um, not just offer hospitality, but, you know, to, to travel and to try and um, uh, be in a position to be able to allow others to also offer hospitality mm-hmm. to me as well. Um, and yeah. I think that's something um, that uh I encourage other people to do as well because sometimes you know we we can't always be the host you know sometimes it's yeah. good to be the guest as well <laughs> um and and the thing is it offers other people an opportunity to be able to to seek that um uh the, the relationship that they're looking to build but also to seek that reward that they might be looking for um in terms mm-hmm. of signs of um perhaps good hospitality you've talked about you know morals mm-hmm. and hospitality um you know it's to try and show that language of kindness um mm-hmm. you know being able to um, uh, allow your guests to be able to feel at home um, when they are, you know, perhaps staying with you. Um, as when we travel, um, we often see like, you know, through um, different traveling websites that people leave reviews and um, that review yeah. may then become like the the word of mouth, you know, the power of word of mouth is incredible. That, that becomes a way to be able to mm-hmm. um, encourage others to, to maybe go and visit a place, go and um, go try out um, an activity and so on. And so it's important that as, as a guest, um, Say that you are, you know, leaving um, positive reflections. You know, if it's negative, mm. be honest. But you know, try and leave positive messages as well, so that others can also, um, you know, uh, benefit from uh, the experiences mm. that you've had as well. Um, you know, it's important, as I suppose, when you're um, looking after somebody to cater to their needs. Um, I mentioned this earlier as well, but yes. clearly in line with um, the work that I do with students. Um, when you move into halls of residence, you're all kind of bundled together. You don't know who your neighbours are. You don't know who you live with and mm. that you're there for maybe a year, maybe three years. Um, and to be able to find um, commonality between people so that you can learn to, um, you know, serve each other, to be able to be respectful to each other it's really important um, mm. and that only comes through building bridges with each other you know bu- building that kind of understanding of what um, your needs might be um, and I think it's important that uh, the relationship between host and guest is one that um, upholds communication uh, respectful communication you know to the highest degree. Great and really nice kind of holistic as you said view and Reem gave a very good example of the second caliph of Islam um, a reminder that you are listening to Pathway to Peace on Voice of Islam Radio. Today, we are discussing hospitality and its relevance to societal and world peace. So, Sabiha, back to you. We learned that guests, both um, Ahmadi Muslims and non-Ahmadi, travelled from all over the world to attend the annual convention last month, and much hospitality was extended to them. However... If we just step back from our community a little and consider the wider picture, we obviously don't live in a world where everyone behaves perfectly, conflicts exist, and there can be tension between nations, within nations, and even between neighbours. We just mentioned refugees as well, didn't we? And the media reports those seeking shelter as unwelcome economic migrants trying to enter the UK through the English Channel, etc., And they are not welcomed by the government who are seeking ever more restrictions to limit their entry. So what are the limits of hospitality in these scenarios? Can hospitality be extended to all and should it be? 
Um, the headlines make us think that the UK is, you know, full of people who are, you know, against welcoming refugees sometimes. And, you know, the research by the Red Cross um, published in April 2023 states that 62% of the UK population agreed that the UK should welcome refugees fleeing war or persecution uh, from across the world, with the same percentage thinking the UK has a moral duty to welcome its share of the world's refugees. Um, so I think that's uh, that's you know that's quite a, a high figure. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, so. yeah, I think that um, I agree with you, Sabiha, in that the media would make us think that actually we don't welcome them, and the government kind of builds on that. But actually, the Red Cross, which is obviously a charitable organisation um, um, that helps those who are seeking shelter, says this is not true, that, that more people in the UK than not um, think that we have a moral obligation to welcome um, people who are seeking refuge. And it doesn't matter where they come from. So they've said, you know, made the point, welcome them from across the world. Um, um, and I think that is really powerful, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I just wish that their voice was a bit louder, I think, is what I'd like. I think that um, one of the books that I read quite recently mm. that um, covers this topic, particularly about refugees, um, in, in a really poignant way is mm. uh, called The Great Western Revival. Mm. Um, and it's a book which uh, is a compilation of the addresses of His Holiness, um, Mr. Mm. Ahmed, the uh, the uh, Caliph, the current Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, and it's a book which is available, um, you know, through online um, and through mm. uh, Waterstones as well. I think it's a book that addresses um, really well uh, the what our response should be or what our um, actions should be to support those um, who are seeking refuge. Mm -hmm. Um, it also just reminded me of, of a quote um, taken from the book called Noah's Ark. Um, mm. And it's a book which was written by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the promised mm. Messiah on whom be peace. And he said that God desires of you no more than that you deal equitably with all people mm. and show kindness even to those who have not done you any good. More importantly, you ought to love God's creation as if it were your kith and kin in the same manner that mothers treat their children. You know, it's really important that we think about those, you know, who are in, at a time of need, okay, at a time of need are seeking help uh, and protection. And, you know, that time can, can come upon anyone through the climate change, through the, the crisis that we're going through. Um, you know, we can all be in a place of displacement. So it's really important that we, you know, receive others and think about others in, in a way that, um, you know, encourages uh, societal peace. Um, I think this is also a time where um, the story, um, Sister Alia, I, I recall that we spoke about before, about a traveller mm. who mm. came to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, um, uh, who sent uh, the Holy Prophet um, of God, um, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, sent a message to his household to send, uh, some, uh, to send some food. And the reply came that there was nothing in the house um, except water. The Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked his companions who among them could arrange for some food. And Ansari said he would. Uh, when he went uh, home to ask his wife to prepare some food for the guest, uh, she said that they only had enough to feed the children. Mm -hmm. He asked her to light the lamp and send the children to bed. When the food was ready and the guest arrived, he got up uh, on the pretext of adjusting the lamp and instead extinguished it. He and his wife pretended to eat in the dark while the guests ate satisfactorily. The next day, when the Ansari came to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, he laughed 
and said, your planning of last night also made Allah laugh. It is then that the following verse was revealed and find not in their breasts any desire for that which is given them, but prefer others to themselves, even though poverty be their own lot. And whoso is rid of the covetousness of the soul, it is these who will be successful. And that's taken from the Holy Quran, chapter 59, verse 10. Um, I think it's a, a story which, you know, that explains to us that generous hospitality uh, should be extended to to guests without the ex- any expectation of reward. Um, and I don't know if you've got any reflections that you wanted to make on that. Yeah, I I think that that shows me so much, really. I think that the teachings of Islam and the examples shown by those Ansar or the helpers of Medina, the way they welcomed the Muslims from from mm. Mecca, who literally had nothing, right? They had arrived as refugees, and they they gave them whatever they had. They opened their homes to them, right? Mm. And you know, they literally became brothers. And I think that is the example that perhaps then we should be following, or we should be following now, because that led to Islam, an Islamic revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I think, yeah, the teaching of Islam are still very relevant today. So, ladies, let's talk about hospitality and world peace efforts. Sometimes con- countries offer a location to host peace talks when two or more sides are locked in conflict. This is true of, for example, Camp David in the US and the Oslo Accords in Norway, facilitating peace talks between Israel and Palestine. And several countries have also offered to host peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. And I know of the Sultan of Oman hosting peace talks between Iran and America. So what's the Islamic guidance here, Reen? Does hospitality like this have a role to play in creating peace in such situations? Mm -hmm. You know, if we consider the first example we gave uh, in this show today, Mm -hmm. we talked about Prophet Ibrahim. Uh, peace be upon him, who welcomed the, vis- the visitors he did not recognize with the salutation of peace and offered them food despite having no idea about the reason of their visit. Then uh, this in itself is an act of peace and it creates peace between uh, you know the two parties in uh, what could be um, you know uh, a, a clear situation uh, you know that you don't know the person. Maybe but conflict, maybe volatile, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the role of peacemaker is a noble one in Islam. The Holy Quran in chapter 49, for example, verse 10 states, and if two parties of believers fight with each other, make peace between them. And also the narrations of the Holy Prophet are full of such uh, you know, guidance. So, for example, the Holy Prophet stated, spread peace and provided food and praying at night while whilst others are uh, asleep, this raised the status of the believers. And, you know, we have also, I want to mention something in Arabic culture. We say that we have um, bread and salt together. Don't ask me why salt, because I don't know why, mm-hmm. but. But this tradition, and uh, you know, it is from the time immemorial. So what it means that once we eat together, it mm. means we have that bond and then that mm. friendship and that we become like family. So it's impossible that any one of us will harm the second one because we have this bread and salt together. 
I um, think I'm re that reminds me of a saying in English as well. Maybe Sabiha, you've heard of it. That when we say we have eaten together, we have broken bread together. Mm. And I think that's um, also similar to what you're saying, Reem, that, mm -hmm. you know, it means that if you've eaten together, it means that you have sat next to each other, you have formed a bond now, exactly. you know, um, and that you have extended hospitality to each other. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And also, you know, this is the, the sunnah, the way of the Holy Prophet of Islam. Mm -hmm. So even at the beginning of his prophethood, so he directed his cousin uh, and follower, Hadrat Ali, to prepare a meal to invite the people of Mecca to come and then he can in a peaceful uh, you know environment convey the message of Islam to them and he did it twice not only once you know so every time he was preparing a dinner for them and then they will come and they will listen to the peaceful message of Islam so and that's why also we are following his sunnah we are following his uh, tradition in all of our program, when we are coming mm. to together, when you know, or we have interfaith programs, or we are inviting the the guests of uh, who are non-Muslims or non-Ahmadis, we are inviting them. We are also providing them with dinner because in such you know environment, mm. you feel that you are sitting with family and with friends, and you can speak you know mm. in um, amicable way, and then know each other in such environment. So the Holy Prophet taught us this and we tried, you know, to follow his uh, footsteps. And by this, we established peaceful ties with the people. No, absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, following uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. You know, his example, um, you know, we're all reminded um, that, uh, as he said in his words, uh, a true Muslim is he from from whose tongue and hand all others are safe. Yeah. Um, it's really important to remember that, you know, it's through showing that kindness, through showing that love and through showing that hospitality that we're also fulfilling you know the teachings of the prophet mm -hmm. muhammad peace, peace and blessings of god be upon him you know that others feel safe and they feel welcome mm -hmm. um and they feel you know you know invited um as as we host them also um his holiness the caliph um of the Muslim community as a muslim may god be his helper you know is our is our role model as a peacekeeper in, in on the modern world stage you know the president of the um Muslim community uh, of the of the in the uk has spoken you know at annual conventions about this you know uh, numerous times and mentioned that um you know what's really stuck out was that years ago um his holiness wrote letters to world leaders advising them to choose the pathway of peace um you know but they kind of fell on deaf ears perhaps or were ignored um, but now that you know war is on the horizon um, they do meet with him sometimes in mm -hmm. secret seek his counsel you know as a peacemaker um, and Hazur as we call him lovingly um, his holiness Hazur uh, um, Masur Ahmed um, you know he always invites well uh, you know world leaders and welcomes them peacefully with hospitality and this is mentioned over and over again you know by different dignitaries you know who provide that testimony who say that that's you know how they were received and how uh, you know war they were received and how he they doesn't felt. he doesn't resent does he the fact that they ignored him or they didn't respond to letters etc at the beginning but when they have come back to him and met with him and sought his counsel he's never refused them he's always no. welcomed them with such generous hospitality and i think you know that's a really good point and and again displaying our superior morals mm. displaying our manners towards our guests that we will never turn them down mm. great in, really good point in fact his holiness actually said 
said in his own words mm-hmm. that as the head of a world by, worldwide Muslim community, it is my duty that I should draw the attention of the world towards establishing peace. I consider this my obligation because Islam's very meaning is peace and security. Mm, excellent. So that's really given us some insight, thank you, into how hospitality and generosity of spirit promotes peaceful situations and dissipates volatility. So Sabiha, do you think there's a generational change around hospitality and welcoming guests? You know, I'm thinking of my own childhood decades ago now, sadly, um, when mm-hmm. unannounced guests would turn up. So my family um, would sometimes come up, you know, come to our house and my mum almost knew that this might happen and so she would have plenty of food in the freezer ready for these guests and family members and more often not that did than that did actually happen whereas now like I wouldn't dream of turning up at my cousin's house without planning it you know in advance and and actually I wouldn't even I would consider it rude to invite myself and I would await an invitation so why do you think that is? It's really um, interesting question. I think you're not the only one with that experience. Um, and I think it, it continues. And I don't think it's just a perhaps a, a Asian or a Muslim experience necessarily. I think it, it, mm. it transcends that. Um, in fact, I was reading um, uh, a verse in the Bible um, in Romans where it's mentioned, um, do not be afraid. Seek out opportunities to show hospitality. For in doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. And that's taken from Hebrews. And so I think that for me demonstrates actually that hospitality, as we know, transcends you know lots mm. of different um, uh, faiths, uh, you know, lots of different people uh, try to um, demonstrate that. Um, and it's really important to remember that, you know, it's not just um, within uh, Islam, it's it's mm. beyond that as well. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the generational change, um, you know, just kind of having things ready um, to be able to serve, that's something that I think is uh, perhaps uh, within uh, a, cu- a culture, perhaps, you know, mm. to have something in the freezer that you <laughs> could quickly quickly take out without samosas or whatever it is, you know, it's it's important. Um, what does, I think it's important to look at the Holy Quran. What does the Holy Quran say about this? Um, and in Surah um, 24, uh, in chapter 24, uh, verse 62, it's mentioned, mm-hmm. there is no harm for the blind and there is no harm for the lame and there is no harm for the sick and none for yourselves that you eat from your own houses or the houses of your fathers or the houses of your mothers or the houses of your brothers or the houses of your sisters or the houses of your father's brothers or the houses of your father's sisters or the houses of your mother's brothers, or the houses of your mother's sisters, or from that of which the keys are in your possession, or from the house of a friend of yours. There is no harm for you whether you eat together or separately, but when you enter houses, salute your people, a greeting from your Lord, full of blessing and purity. Thus does Allah make plain to you commandments that you may understand. And that's taken from the Holy Quran, um, the Holy Quran being the word of God, mm. as Muslims believe. I think it's important to remember that, you know, as we've said earlier, it's important to announce that you're coming, be respectful mm. of the, you know, who you're visiting. Mm. You know, but Islam also here in this verse encourages visiting, mm. you know, that it's important to build those ties of kinship um, and there's no harm. You know, so saying there's no harm, there's no, mm. there's no, there's no kind of blame. Mm. It's to encourage that behavior as well. So it's finding that balance. It's finding what, you know, how do you make that um, a, a balanced and um, respectful opportunity, harness that opportunity. Um, a hadith, which is taken from Sahih Bukhari, which I'll read here, um, mentions Allah will say on the day of judgment, 
Son of Adam, I was sick, but you did not visit me. My Lord, how could I visit you when you are the Lord of the world? Did you not know that one of my servants was sick and you didn't visit him? If you had visited him, you would found me there. Then Allah will say, Son of Adam, I needed food, but you did not feed me. My Lord, how could I feed you when you are the Lord of the worlds? Did you not know that one of my servants was hungry, but you did not feed him? If you had fed him, you would have found its reward with me. Son of Adam, I was thirsty, but you did not give me something to drink. My Lord, how could I give you a drink when you are the Lord of the worlds? Did you not know that one of my servants was thirsty, but you did not give him a drink? If you had given him a drink, you would have found its reward with me. And as I mentioned, that's taken from one of the teachings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. And what I found through this teaching is that it's that reminder that, you know, we it's important to continue to build that relationship, but actually through um, showing each other kindness, through being ready to serve, is where you'll find mm. God that's where mm. you'll find um, Allah your reward as well. Your mm. reward and building mm. that relationship with God mm. Almighty. God is actually instructing you here to mm. be able to put yourself in that position, um, to be able to clothe others, feed others, and to offer others a drink as well. Because that's where you'll find Him. And the very interesting that that reminds me that that is one of the nine points um, to a. Uh, establishing peace in the world is service to humanity as written by His Holiness um, uh, Mirza um, Masroor Ahmed the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah um, our current spiritual leader and Imam and um, this is a very good book called Absolute Justice and the Pathway to Peace and it's available for free to download on alislam.org so I'd encourage listeners to um, read that book and as I said one of the nine uh, points in his nine point plan for a establishing world peace is service to humanity and you've really encompassed that um, uh, Sabiha when you have uh, mentioned this hadith thank you so regarding this subject of hospitality and others we have covered in our shows Islam provides both over overall principles as well as practical guidance so that Muslims can benefit from understanding exactly how to fulfill the highest morals in the Islamic way of life so I thought I would ask my guests to share a fond memory of either receiving or giving um, hospitality and how has hospitality had an impact on your life? Reem? Yes, uh, thank you, Alia. You know, um, I think it is um, a blessing to to be in a situation that we can practically apply mm. the teachings of Islam. So mm. by grace of Allah, you know that uh, we... Um, experienced many experiences in such a way, yes. you know. And uh, I, I'll speak about uh, two incidents happened with my husband, you know, in recent years. Mm. First of all, you know, once he was coming at night and he saw one lady crying to a taxi driver and he could understand that the taxi driver was, you know, rejecting to take her. So he approached them and he mm. said, what's the matter? And she said, I forgot my money and then he is refusing to take me to I don't know how many miles to her home without uh, paying him first. So he and my husband went to the nearest ATM and he, um, you know, withdrew the money which uh, required and gave to the taxi driver. So she was telling him, please give me your phone or your bank details so I can pay you back. So he said, no, my religion, Islam, is commanding me to to help you at this uh, at this time. And just remember and uh, remember me and pray for me. That's uh, my reward. 
And again, once we were together and the kids in the car and a traffic light uh, turned red and um, there was uh, a guy, you know, young boy who was, who was crossing the road. And it looked to us that uh, he had broken his leg. Wow. So we opened the window and we spoke to him. Are you OK? He said, I think I broke my leg because I jumped from high uh, place. So he said, I don't have money. I don't have uh, my phone. Can you call the ambulance for me? We said to him, no need to call the ambulance. We will drop you to hospital quickly. So I gave him my place and I sat at the back seat with the kids mm -hmm. and he entered our uh, car. And, you know, uh, he was amazed. He was telling us, why did you do so? You don't know me. I'm stranger. So again, we explained to him that th this is our duty in accordance to the teaching of Islam. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you, he was, you know, telling us that I never interacted with the Muslims before and I never imagined myself to be in the car of Muslims and to have this experience. And um, he was thanking us and, you know, uh, he was really amazed about this. But for us, this is part of our religion and this is our duty actually towards the creation of God. And um, this is also worth mentioning that part of the uh, swearing allegiance to the promised Messiah and to enter the community of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, one of the condition is to be kind to the creation of God. So this is part of, his, of Islam and part of our faith and we have always to follow it. And we are lucky if uh, God gave us the chance to practically mm. apply it. Thank yeah. you, Reem. Is it my turn? Yes, to be her. I think that um, it's a really nice question because I it's one that I feel privileged to be able to mm. to, to to kind of share as well. Um, I've I travel I've travelled quite a lot, mm. I suppose, within um, uh, uh, the last two decades. Um, you know, all over the world um, and. When I travel, I try to visit different places of worship, particularly um, uh, those of different religions um, and also mosques of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And when I've, I've traveled, I've visited different mission houses um, and uh, or guest houses, as they're called as well, Darul Ziafit. Um, and these places where I've been able to, so go, I visit the mosques and some of them have linked um, guest houses with them. Um, and the, the guest houses were um, kind of uh, started from the time of the promised Messiah on whom be peace. Mm. I mean, guest houses have been around for many, many years, mm. but within the community particularly were started by the promised Messiah on whom be peace. And the service was initiated from the house of the promised Messiah on whom be peace. Um, he laid its foundations and in the beginning served guests with his own blessed hands. Sometimes if there was a shortage of food, the promised Messiah on MVP sent his own food for guests. And that uh, service continues to this day um, for the guests of the promised Messiah on MVP. Um, so when I've traveled, I've been able to um, really experience this from different uh, in different countries. And what I've really um, found quite remarkable is that each uh, country will try and accommodate me, um, uh, you know, for my needs, but also be very willing to share something of their culture, whether it's, you know, cuisine or whether it's, you know, just the, the way that they might prepare the, the room mm. that's available. They mm. will always try and make sure that they're accommodating, but um, to, to a degree where they allow me in to be able to learn something from them as well. And that's been something that I feel really privileged to have been able to experience. Um, and it's a place that, you know, I feel secure, feel safe. 
safe um, and feel welcomed. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they're usually um, associated to or a link to a mosque as well. So it mm -hmm. provides me with that spirit, spiritual nourishment as well that I'm looking for uh, when I'm traveling, um, you know, as well as the cultural. Absolutely. And I think such a good good example, isn't it, of how the Ahmadiyya Muslim community welcomes travellers, members mm. from Yomkadi. And like you said, you had a feeling of home, mm. most likely when you entered them, and um, this over feel, overwhelming feel of welcome as well. I want to add also a, a small story, if uh, yes. time permits. You know? Yes, of course. You know, I want to mention that I accepted Ahmadiyya in uh, Saudi Arabia. I was living in Saudi Arabia. And, I see. Uh, there, the, uh, the responsible one was the, the late Hashim Saeed. May Allah bless his soul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was he was um, manager in Norwegian Saudi company. So he had, he had very good job. And he is also British as well. Mm. So uh, I remember that his first floor was allocated freely for all um, the Ahmadis single ones, you know? And mm. he and his family, they were living in the second floor. And then when I got married, and uh, my husband is from Holland, and uh, we um, we want to come to, to live beside, um, you know, our uh, Khalifa here in the UK. And I got job first in Saudi embassy. So we had to, mm. to come immediately to London and to settle there. And of course, it is a big shift, you know, in our mm. life, whether myself or my husband. So Hashim Saeed and his family who were living in Saudi Arabia and their house in London was empty. They mm. could uh, just uh, let it. They gave us their house for free of charge for six months till we were able to, you know, uh, rent our own place. So we see the example of the mm -hmm. hospitality in our uh, Ahmadi Muslim brothers on daily uh, basis, actually. That's such an inspiring story, Reem, because yeah. you're right. Um, the, he gave you the help when you needed it. Yes. You were in need. You didn't probably know many people in the UK either. And you, um, you know, newly married, etc. And yeah. that was probably that time that you required maybe to make some savings as well yeah. um, to be able to to rent your own property. Such a nice example. Um, and I'm so sorry that we've reached the end of the show. But what a nice note to reach it um, on with Reem's um, example of excellent hospitality um, and Sabiha's as well. It's been such a pleasure to host the show and I thank my guests, sisters Sabiha and Reem profusely for sharing their experiences and their help in disseminating the true enlightened teachings of Islam. By learning of the elevated morals of both Prophet Ibrahim and the Holy Prophet Muhammad um, who was promised to the world as a sign of God's mercy on mankind, we now understand how hospitality or diatha brings peace to society and gives respect to those who may find themselves in an unwanted situation where they are in danger and seeking refuge. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community's annual convention does many things. It rejuvenates our spiritual health. It encourages the forming and maintaining of brotherly bonds. It reconnects us with our leader, the Caliph of the Promised Messiah, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. And it teaches us by way of example that by being hospitable to our guests, we display our high morals and manners and demonstrate the true teachings of Islam. In fact, it embodies the words of the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, who wrote that you should conquer hearts, 
and hearts are not conquered through wars but through superior morals. In his book Malfuzat, volume 10, page 437. It shows that we seek only peace as reward and we do this for the pleasure of our creator alone. We seek not to make further divisions on earth, but to unite mankind by following in the footsteps of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of God be upon him and his most ardent servant, the promised Messiah, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, who came to revive the true Islam by way of the power of words and discourse and not war. By being generous hosts and welcoming all, both refugees as well as important dignitaries in our community, we hope to convey peace create peace and maintain peace for everyone. Please visit alislam.org for more information. Join our discussion on Twitter by tweeting with the hashtag VOIPeace. And may the peace and the mercy of God and his blessings be upon you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.